Hey, yo, what's up out there? I'm John, here with my buddy Johnny. Hey. And uh, you're listening to episode 48. Really? Of Talk About That, Johnny. Man. Yeah. We're coming still, up on our golden anniversary. Still going. Yeah. And they said it would never happen. Do you think there are stories that we don't know about each other still? I would, I would think so. Well, we still are making stories, Johnny. Johnny, life is still going on, bro. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But we have a history. That's one of the reasons we're doing this is because we have a lot of life. So you think we're going to run out? Like we get to like 150, it's like, you know what? I'm sick of you. You ever see like an old married couple and you're like, oh, that's so sweet. But then you also think to yourself, what do they talk about? I think they talk about, do you ever go to a restaurant? Yeah. And it really bugs me when I'm at a restaurant and I realize they're talking about nothing. Like, and yeah. I look at my wife, and then people, I hear husbands say, I would love to have a relationship where we love each other so much, we don't have to actually even talk about it. And I think no, that's, that's ridiculous. Not, I, think no. that, I, think, I think you're copping out like, no, I always have something to talk about. I just about. want to not have rage, you know? Like, you like see an old married couple. Yeah, you see like an old married couple sometimes, and you're like, they are just staying with each other out of spite. They're like, what do you yeah. want to do today? Cut your brake lines. They just look... <laughs> Furious <laughs> with each other. And speaking of cutting your brake lines, hey, um, we actually segue. have a guest in studio today. Mm. Uh, it's our good friend, uh, Mr. Mike Burdett. How you doing, Mike? What up? Welcome to the show, man. man it's an honor. I'm a Mike is the pastor, longtime subscriber, few time listener. <laughs> Mike is the, only when he thinks that his, he <laughs> might be mentioned. <laughs> I was recently mentioned. So uh, Mike is the pastor of the fastest growing church in America. We're actually going to talk about that a little bit. What did you podcast. win, Mike, when you got that? Um, Do you get like a thing? I get a cash prize a lot like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. That's about it. You you were worth more to me anyway. You know what I'm saying? You had value to me when you we were, were just the third fastest growing church in America. I loved you just the same. Thanks. Before that, not at all. But but now once you made the did, list, I was enough. Didn't for me. you say Sadie won some kind of award? But it was like <laughs> the bronze category. So, so my my girl, guys, my girl, she's ten. And she's never won a trophy or a medal. Yeah. Like, there's been like, even one tournament, like, the tournament before, yeah. they won their bracket uh, in the tournament she was in, and that particular tournament just didn't give anything out. The one before, if she'd have won the bracket, they would have. It's just like What happened random. to everybody saying that this is the generation it's that not. everybody gets a trophy? My kid's not nothing for participation, Terrible. and that's fine. That's fine. But, you know, I kind of like, I kind of like, for her, I think she just wants to have something it's for that okay. experience. It's okay yeah. to want a trophy. And so, uh, you know, you're going to laugh. I pray about these things. I actually asked God in to the give shower. your daughter a trophy. I said, look, Jesus, if it's okay with you, just so she doesn't think it's a big deal, I'd love for her to get that out of the way because mm-hmm. I don't want her to like, connect it to her worth or whatever because it's not. Let her have the experience. If it's okay with you, if it's not, don't give her a trophy. If it's okay with you, would you let her get a trophy? No, I wait, kid you not. The is next, God the one giving the trophies here? Is that God literally, literally rained like, a trophy. <laughs> it came down. He was in a, call she comes down from the mountain. <laughs> I have made these tablets! <laughs> <laughs> it was in a sheet. Anyway. Uh, That's weird. And so sure enough, like, so, but guys, it was the the bronze bracket. Yeah. Like, we're not talking about the bronze trophy or the bronze medal. Like, yeah. That means that's the the, tro- the tournament in the it was third in, section of winners. Correct. That means you had <laughs> lost so many games. You're now into the, you're not even the loser's bracket. You're yeah. in the bracket past that. But they that's won. Okay. They won in that bracket. The ultimate loser's bracket, basically. <sighs> okay. We don't say that. We call it the bronze. We call it honorable mentions. And so then last night at, so that the coaches, Decided because that was their first kind of thing they'd won this year. So yeah. the coaches got them these little medals, and dude, yeah. she was so excited. And I was pretty, like, yeah. I mean, and dude, I just asked Jesus the day before if you don't mind, let her have a medal or a trophy at some point. And she got one the next day. Some dude, sometimes Mike is fast, and so he could have said no. I was okay with that. I'm okay with sovereignty, all of that. Sure. And so I think he did say no. I think so too. <laughs> and she still got a trophy anyway. <laughs> but I didn't go make it I because coach, man, man intervened. Coach went against the will of God. <laughs> Let me tell you something, guys. God's prayer was to the Lord. I think he but said his wife's phone call. Was to the coach. <laughs> she didn't know I prayed that either. She didn't know. I didn't tell her. <laughs> Which uh, means y'all don't shower together. <laughs> I knew that this was going, Mike. <laughs> I literally skipped it in my head. A couple who showers together has power together. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, anyway congratulations to your daughter. So she goes to school this morning. Guess what she's wearing? She wants to wear it. She's wearing the medal. And that's okay. But I, and my kid, my kid, I have to speak to her in movie in order to really get through to her. To speak to her in movie. Yeah. And I said, Sadie, I said, 
in a world. I said, <laughs> started with. <laughs> you, do you remember? Do you remember the, the city? You must fight to survive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to get to say very much because I'm just going to. It's so. I said, honey, remember in Christmas Story yeah. where he writes the essay about the BB gun, mm-hmm. and in his imagination, the teacher's like, "Oh, these are all awful," and he comes. She comes across yeah, his, plus, and she's like, "Oh, this is a plus," and writes the pluses on the right, board. I was right. like, "Honey, that's how you are." Like she does. She has these expectations. I said, "So you're going to go to school wearing a medal today?" And some kid is mean at school every day. Mm-hmm. It's like that's yeah. kids. That's so part some of kids going to. And in your mind, I'm afraid. Like you're going to expect them to like hoist you up on their shoulders mm-hmm. or whatever. I said, "So just have decent expectations. It's fine to wear it." Be proud of it. It's fine. But some kids going to be mad that they don't have one. Yeah. And they're going to be mean to you. Some other kids got 10 and they're going to make fun of you. You only have one. Some other kids, most of them, they're just not going to care. That's what's going to happen. 10 it's, medals. It's going to hurt your feelings. Michael Phelps kid? <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to your kid's school? <laughs> He's just wearing or, a sprawl. Or it's the kid who, who lost every bracket. <laughs> like in every sport. You think you're the bronze winner? <laughs> Can you imagine having the largest collection of, uh, of last bron- place? Of last place medals. <laughs> well, uh, cor- correction. First place in the last place. First place, place in the bronze bracket. Okay, so that made me think of me because two things. One, I had my first trophy. I was 30... I love that a story about his daughter made you think of <laughs> Well, yourself. no, because, because no, my, no, it is. Listen. You know, isn't that just like. Well, a- my DVD won an award last year. Oh, my gosh. It took you six minutes to, to push. It made me to- laugh because it was called the bronze. It's called, listen, made you laugh. He gets me. They're album. called the crown awards, right? Yeah. And I won what's called the bronze and you crown cast award. It at Jesus which means feet. third place. But when I when they introduced it, Johnny's the winner of the bronze. His DVD won the bronze crown. But it's third. Is there place. no award show called the Crowns? And I always like to say, well, it's about probably about how it would have finished in a foot race. So I can't get mad because <laughs> I think like uh, the guy who won was there was a movie that came out in theaters. It was called uh, the Resurrection of Gavin Stone, and it was like yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was. A big I didn't movie. see it. But it was like an actual like millions of millions of dollar budget movie, oh, and wow. that was in the same category as my little. Twelve thousand dollar DVD that we shot, you wow. know, at Franklin Theater. You're just dropping numbers now. Uh, oh my gosh! But anyway, <laughs> the second place was another. Uh, it was another film. So basically, because I do comedy, it was it was all overall shoved into one category. Feels like you're in the wrong category. To me. So I won the bronze crown award. So that's what we say in my thing. But it, I got like a little. It's like a little certificate. It looks like they printed off on a little <clears throat> inkjet printer. You know. Don't knock it till you try it. But my first trophy that I ever won was for a uh, comedy competition. That was your and first I never trophy. won. In, I never won anything uh, in my childhood. So I was in my thirties, and I've been doing comedy for a couple of years. Jenna, let's unpack that for a minute. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I will say that I was away. I was still working full time at the church, and I was away to do this comedy competition in Lima, Ohio. Which, if you've never been, <laughs> skip it. <laughs> and so I'm there, and. I win this thing, but it's in like this bar. It was all, it was a clean comedy, but it was a lot of club comics that were there. And it was in a bar. They were bar audiences. This is the, so crown, I, this is the crown award? This is the actual first place for this one. Oh. So it was just like a, I was, I did stand up every night and then they judge you every night. And so uh, I won. But the thing I remember about that is I sent the picture to John about the, with the trophy because you are you are, how are you doing how's it going I was yeah. like I think I'm gonna make the finals and then I made the finals and I had this great I was so excited set yeah. at the end I got like 15 minute set and I won and I couldn't believe it and so I sent the picture to John and so they put it on the screen John John had them put it on the screen Johnny's away <laughs> this weekend John but he's John Driver so oh. he put it him and Andrew put it on the screen. And honored you. And there's like church on Sunday. There's like tables in the background with beer bottles on them. (laughs) And I just remember thinking, yeah, I just remember thinking like this is really. I remember I was really honored, and it meant a lot to me that my church could like look past the because it could be a lot of churches have been like, yeah, we're not going to promote this because it looks like we're advocating that Johnny's out here in bars doing comedy. They were like, no, this is cool. Johnny's bringing light to this place, and it's cool. Doesn't matter where you are. I know, but it, yeah, it, it but take, I'm saying that was a good hint to me that okay, this is there's yeah. they're they're really supporting this. And they affirm that it takes pints of beer to people. Right. To at right. They were all my beers. So that's the <laughs> that was, You know, honestly though, the, to get a bronze crown, can we go back to that for yeah, a second? Yeah, sure. Sounds like bad dental work. You know what I'm saying? It sounds like uh like in heaven we're gonna throw our crowns at Jesus' right. feet. But maybe we get to wear the bronze ones? Yeah, he's like, don't throw <laughs> Maybe he's like, don't, yeah, just, don't so bother just with that it. one. Keep it. Yeah. We ain't melting that down for shoes or anything. So <laughs> I will throw my crowns at Jesus' feet. I'll do it, but I'm going to wear it for a second. Do we get to at least 
look in like a full length mirror and be like, this is nice. How big and is then, your crown? You need a full length mirror. That's true. I mean, geez. <laughs> I, I want to see how it suit. you know, how it sets off my outfit. <laughs> I'll have robes. This makes me look taller. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Mike, so Mike's uh, church is in Clarksville. Yes. Clarksville. Do you say Clarksville, yeah, Mike? Because yeah. so, I have a bit of an education. Oh, do you? A bit. <laughs> I grew up in Johnson City, Tennessee. And when I moved to Knoxville, mm. which is where the three of us met. No. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden I, I learned that e- I-L-L-E was pronounced O. It's like yeah. a guttural. It's just Knoxville. like L-E. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, I always pronounce the Ville with an emphasis on Knoxville, Clarksville, instead of Knoxville, Clarksville. So Nashville. you just you do that intentionally, though. You know, so you know my background's in music performance and uh, vocal performance in particular. So I did a lot of diction and learning to speak and sing in various languages yeah. correctly with enunciation, mm. etc. Enunciation's super important. <laughs> Shall we? Is. You say enunciation's super important. <laughs> Please enunciate. Can, can you apostrophize size? I learned enunciation when I lived in Merville. <laughs> and uh, they told me that over at the schoolhouse. Anyway, I, I, I do. I live in Clark. Clarksville. Clark. <laughs> no, yeah. Clarksville and Merville. Um, I live in Clarksville, Tennessee. And honestly, um, you, Johnny, had a great hand in me going to Clarksville. Really? You remember? You probably do. I do remember this. But you're going to make, you're going to like, you're going to like, well, it's just part of the story. Now. Okay. So ahead. to all the listeners, <laughs> uh, to both of the listeners, uh, it's important <laughs> to realize Johnny and John, the three of us, yep. I know there's a lot. Uh, you, neither of you laughed at that little <laughs> little jab. Anyway, no, that, was, that was true. <laughs> Dane and uh, Terry. Hey, so anyway, we, we were all buddies in college. Mm-hmm. John and Johnny were part of a ministry called Chi Alpha. I met my wife there. And we all, st- you guys were in ministry a couple years ahead of me. I was yeah. in Knoxville Student Ministry. And then you transitioned out here to Mount Juliet. Yep. It's Juliet. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> so anyway, when I was coming back to Tennessee, so I was there for four years on staff at a church in Knoxville. Went to Missouri to go to seminary and worked at a church. When I was coming back to Clarksville, mm-hmm. you guys were some of my only friends in Tennessee that I yeah. liked to call, you know, like <laughs> in ministry. And I'm like, hey, tell me about Clarksville. I wanted to be near Nashville. Right. And Johnny, you were just kicking off with your comedy stuff like yeah. going more full time. This is 2010. Right. So you were funny mm-hmm. and doing young adult ministry here. But um, you were starting that transition of yeah. leaving the church. And I asked you about Clarksville, and you said, I got a buddy up there, Carlo. You got to meet him. And then you said, but honestly, man, Clarksville, it's a bunch, mm-hmm. of, bunch of tattoo parlors and strip joints. <laughs> That's what you told me. And I was like, wow, I'm excited to move my family there. I, said, I think I said, yeah, I didn't. You were did. thinking of comedy life on that side of town, though. Maybe which is by the Army Post and work, the side of town Carlo worked on. I had done a show there. I did the show one time at the Moose Lodge out there. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't a good show. Yeah, well, there's not a lot of moose in no. Tennessee. Well, they weren't actual mooses that I did comedy for. Isn't it is just moose? moose? The, the meese? I think that the plural of moose is moose. That's right. Moosin. Anyway, <laughs> moosin. They. There's this one lady though with the nickname Moose. She's from Clarksville. Real well known. Oh. Well, anyway. <laughs> I, I've changed my tune on Clarksville. I was wrong. It's a great city. Because you know why you came, you've renovated the area. You've made you it. You gentrified it. Just you did. with your presence. No, we we sent all that to East Nashville. Still, yeah. <laughs> I love Clarksville. It it's a bit of a traditional town. It still has a town feel, but it's a fast growing city. Yeah, actually. it's almost two hundred thousand. Yeah, it's huge. It's it's one of the fastest growing cities in America. Actually, yeah. I mean, to me, I I, I think and I love it. To me, I was worried for you because I know it's a more of a transient population as far yeah. as like people are in and out. It's a military town. And you think of me as the most metropolitan guy you know probably. Well, I knew that originally your plan was to move to Nashville because you had this vibe of like, I want to do a church mm-hmm. that's centered around artists. Entertainers, yep. And uh, I was Musicians. like, and then you ended up, in, and then you, so when you brought the Clarksville <laughs> idea to me because there was a church that was kind of like really, really down and out and they were like down to 70 people or something. And you were mm-hmm. like, I think this could be the one. And I was like, this is a total step back from what your original vision was. That's what I thought. Well, yeah, and I said, I think it would take a burn. I said, I think think my direct quote was, I think I would have to have like a burning bush to be called to Clarksville before I would move my family. So it was a year and a half prior to that. I came, Stephanie and I came to Mount Juliet, spent a day with Pastor Andrew. Yeah. And we went and site visited downtown Nashville. We looked Mm -hmm. at like three or four locations, including the Gulch, Germantown area. Um, We looked at, there's a place on Church Street, which is Painter's Alley. 
Printer's Alley. Printer's Alley, excuse me. Yeah. Um, right off 2nd Street that we were looking at planting a church. Campus. In Printer's Alley? Yeah, on Church oh, Street. Wow. That's Printer's Alley's is Church Street. And then as you go up yeah. by the um, – there's a Starbucks and a uh, the AT&T building. Mm-hmm. At the bottom of that, there's this building called the Cohen Building. It's this little three-story right next door to this historic Presbyterian church. We Andrew and I looked at it with Stephanie. We were like, man, we could plant a church right here. I'd live on the third floor, and then the first two floors will be a church. <clears throat> Stephanie really likes neighborhoods. Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah. didn't work. Yeah. But anyway, so just a year and a half earlier, I'm thinking, I want to pastor entertainers, artists. I want to work in the music industry as a musician. And Steph was going to uh, work, be a working artist as well. And then we end up, yeah, in Clarksville in an agricultural and army town, which is about as far away from... Yeah, that was my concern is that if your expectations were, well, it's right next to Nashville. This will be just the same. Well, I was thought, like, whoa, we run, bro. Well, we thought we'd pass for a year, yeah. kind of get get things rolling, uh-huh. and then start making contacts in Nashville with yeah. the music industry. That still hasn't really happened. No. Eight and a half years later. But we have really shifted yeah. the focus of, of our heart and ministry. And the well, man, is we wanted to work great. with leaders and influencers, right? So, like, the music industry is such an influential part of our culture. But now I'm working with a very, very interesting group of military influencers and global leaders with the military. So it ends up we still get to great work with some great influential people and, and folks in town. I mean, we've got some of the most incredible leaders in our city. Oh, man. It's, that participate uh, in our church. Like you said, we, I think that we love the, it. it's great. And I've been to your church. Uh, we did an event there and it was unbelievable. You I come three or four times. Yeah, the last time I was there, though, I, th- I think was the biggest change that I've seen. I was like, wow, man, this is really... Was that a conference? <clears throat> it was like a marriage thing, maybe? Dream Team Party. Dream Team Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was unbelievable. Thank you. Uh, uh, we got. We have grown... Uh, we, we built a new building that we opened. It'll be two years next month, and we're about to figure out if we can build again, because we've, we've outgrown it. Yeah, man, I'm thrilled for you guys, and it's uh, it's great. What's the name of the church? Life Point Church. Life Point Church. Where life is the point. No? No. Is it, there's not an E on the end, though. Never, ever should there be the Thank word you. point but with an E on the end. If you're does, not in a harbor, if you're not in the Pacific North yeah. West or, like, in Maine somewhere. But what does it mean without God? the E? Like, what does it really mean without the E? Like, what is the point? <laughs> no. It's the same. It's yeah. as it should be. So, like, but, I'm not a um, I'm not an Omega Code kind of church namer. Yeah, I don't I don't have meanings behind. It's not. It's really not that hard. It just sounds. It just sounds good. Life Point Church it just sounds good. I yeah. think it's a little more timeless. So a lot of church names today are real trendy. Yeah, um, words that I don't even understand. The like, tapestry. No, right. like words like um, <clears throat> synergy. Yeah. Welcome to Synergy Church. There's not a church called e- Synergy. Yeah. Ethos. Okay. Yeah. Or, uh, Are you making fun of them for? No, 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 no. I just, I'm just. He's saying, in, he's I, saying in ten years, that's right. Not, it's not. Well, remember in the '90s, it was everything was Christian Center and community church. and community church. And community church. Chapel was a big Two, thing early two thousands was community church. So I, I feel like actually uh, the the name of the church was Cornerstone Worship Center when I took over, and I yeah. wanted to rename it for a number of reasons. It just needed a, a relaunch, but I wanted a name that would feel a little more timeless. Yeah, but wasn't quite like first church of the whatever yeah know, uh, some denominationally branded name or anything like that which is like yeah that's how that we did you ever consider calling it, did you ever consider calling it rossview church yeah actually i did because uh, that's the name of your road <clears throat> yeah rossview road in clarksville i wanted to call it two rivers church was a name that i really liked there's two rivers in clarksville yeah the red river and the cumberland um also central city church but nobody calls clarksville that so uh, you know that my brother-in-law's church is called Central City Church in Cookville, which is not. Well, that's the center of the state. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, and it's at the center of their city, too. <laughs> yeah. It's right off the interstate, so that's why they. So I like geographical names. I like um, very localized name ideas. Um, we're on the north end of the state of Tennessee, so I thought about North Point, but I didn't want to be right. that um, conspicuously well, copying. Well, that's Andy Stanley, Andy right? Stanley. right? Yeah. Right. But I like the concept of just. A, a, a name that rolls off the tongue, that's brandable, memorable, and a little bit more. There's a lot of life points, though. How hard was it to find a website? Now Are you lifepoint542.com? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like when you get your emails <laughs> and they give you some random. I wanted, when, we went, when, we were trying to, when we were trying to rename, because we were like uh, going from Life Assembly, I was like, what about just Life Church? And they were like, Life Church is taken. I was like, not lifechurch.vcr. <laughs> 
Because, you know, lifechurch.tv is like whatever. Well, but now it's life.church. They have literally replaced the dot .com. Life.church. Yeah. Yeah. And we did not want a dot .church. We, 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 I don't know. We're old school and we wanted a .com if we could have it. But you know how little these things probably actually matter in the grand scheme. Yeah, that's true. Well, folks don't care. But you do want to be able to market it well and, right. and brand it well. So, yeah, we're lifepointchurch.tv is our website now. And I always tell people we're not on TV. But it was the last domain available besides <laughs> ed, edu. Well, we could get dot gov, <laughs> dot gov, dot biz, b i z. Yeah, that was one that we could get. But life, so lifepointchurch.com is a church in Smyrna, Tennessee, actually. Mm. And uh, and they're your bitter enemies. No, in a fact, blood when I did, feud that will so never. We actually have the pastor of that church outside the door right yes. now, waiting to come in. Come on in, sir. <laughs> when we renamed the church, I called them to say, hey. Is this an issue for you guys at all to have another LifePoint Church in, te- in the state? And they said, of course not. But, um, yeah. we, you know, some folks have gone to and from Smyrna, and they think that we're associated. And I go, well, do you like that church? They go, yeah, it's great. I was like, yeah, we're, we're family. <laughs> <laughs> they like, go, we, we like went it. down to LifePoint there, and it's just not the same. I was like, I don't even know who those people are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mike, uh, you said we knew each other since Knox. Back in the day. Knoxville. I think you're... You guys are my oldest ministry friends in terms of like so. longest oh, so. standing. What an honor. Yeah. My yeah, wife sang and played in your wedding or yep. played. I don't know if she sang. Or she played in your wedding. I've never heard your wife sing. Is that in the year of our Lord, 1999? That was 2000. It was 2000. She played in our wedding and you and I. Do you and remember? Then I was actually uninvited to Johnny's wedding. I don't remember this. I was not invited. Not well. I was. I didn't know you. I was ninety five. I didn't know John. That's why I was not invited. (laughs) Did you remember the road trip me and you took to Athens, Georgia? Oh yeah, to see my Holt. Holt. Thank you. Thank you. The time that I preached for him, or did we go down for something else? We were going down as youth pastors. No, you weren't a youth pastor yet. I'm not sure I was either. I'm not. You were. In um, I graduated college in '02 and became the youth pastor, and you. I felt like you were just still Kai Alpha because I I was a I was I'm a little older than you. Anyway, we took a road trip. A bit older than you. Well, you know it shows. We we took a we took a road trip. By the way, Mike and I are wearing the same shirt. Yeah, this is both wearing North Face. I got a North Face black vest. He has a North Face black jacket. Mine represents a local bank in town, though. And we're, and we're going out. to a meeting with people, and they're going to think we did this on purpose. So oh, that's right. You don't have like an extra. You, yeah. Some of y'all needs to I'm change. Just, no, I mean. Because y'all are pitching your book today, I think right? just go with it's it. It's a book pitch meeting, right? Mike Burnett is writing a book, guys. And uh, and so I'm getting to partner with him on it. And yeah, it's, I'm very excited. It's really good. It's actually really good. I'm going to say actually as if it was. you would think it wasn't. But would, you ever, would you ever help write a book and go, this book's terrible? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad to be on the project. I mean, I'm, I'm a believer. Well, we've been talking about it for years. So well, back to Mike Holt. Let's come back to Oh, you want to come back there. So anyway, we went, we went, do you remember the road trip? Do you remember I the road trip? I don't remember like being on the road with Changed you. Changed my life, bro. No, but I remember, I, no, I don't remember I was having some, I don't know what the moments were. I just remember I was hanging out and like, that's just a cool story to me that there's very few people that I go that far back with. Like Johnny's one of them. Yeah. And you're right. Like you're so much. One of my oldest friends, man. Yeah, it's been a long time. Honestly, those days seem hard to remember. Yeah, they really I'll, do. I'll be 40 in, uh, next year. Mm. I just turned 39. And uh, my my brain wants to think I'm still as yeah. quick and sharp and whatever as I used to. But the memories have begun to like unapologetically fade away. Well, I drove <laughs> through Knoxville the other day. I went to the Tennessee-Florida game, by the way. Yeah. With Matt Stewart, who gave me tickets, and they're amazing. But driving through, my wife and I went the other day, too, and it is like another life. Oh, it totally is. Like, I can't, I, I recall it, and I still love Knoxville. I say Knoxville, just right. for the Knoxvillians, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just, I just, there are things like, there are things that, so you're going to laugh at this. There's a podcast, a UT podcast, my wife listens to, because my wife is the most amazing woman ever. It's a UT football, basketball podcast. And I, she was listening to it the other day, and one of the guys on there has a distinct a distinctive Knoxville accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, for some reason, I have like this. It's like a cross between Appalachia and Savannah, Georgia. It really is. It's There's like a this, little bit of maple syrup in it, but it's mostly kind of It's in, but, I- ignorant. But with dudes. <laughs> yeah, there's an ignorance. And the guy's it. smart. He's, but with dudes in that Knoxville accent, like yeah. I have this <clears throat> knee-jerk reaction that's negative. I don't know why. Like I have this like, there's something about it. It almost sounds like. 
I don't know what it is. Yeah. And I realized it has to do probably my wife and I know it had to do from negative things that happened to me in Knoxville with people. I have nothing to do with that guy or the accent. Sure. You know what I'm saying? But or like, like sports talk radio. Calling in to the just being there's ridiculous. always those guys, yeah. Now I tell you right now, Johnny, we need to get old Phil Fulmer back up in there, and he, it's it's very because that I, I just played honest, a clip that wasn't me, that was a clip. I struggle. I don't pay attention to sports nearly enough to ever with any kind of authority to give any feedback or commentary, much Neither less call in a radio show that's about us. It. Yeah, I don't think most of them. <clears> like do I can't even talk to you about a game after a game we just sat and watched. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The Super Bowl was over, and the next day I was like, "No, who won that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I didn't mean, know about the Super Bowl either. I sat there and watched the whole thing. Oh, did you? Yeah. You did better than me. I didn't. That's a bad Super Bowl. It's bad. It was bland and boring. That's what I remember about it. Yeah. Patriots yeah. won. That's yeah, what I remember. One more for Brady. Uh, okay, He's so probably wearing that same outfit, by the way, that ba- you guys are wearing. Ba- <laughs> that's a very Tom Brady. You guys are have a Tom Brady ensemble on so today. So, to the Knoxville piece, I went, uh, this is part of getting older. I went back to Knoxville, I don't know, it was there a couple weeks, uh, in January. And I, I drove through campus, and I finally started complaining about how we had it when I was on campus. I was like, man, these guys don't even know. We didn't have air conditioner when I was Isn't in Hess Hall. Crazy. And I can't believe the stuff these students get now. Yeah. I finally, like... You're the old... I became that guy. Shaking your but cane. See, they're, but they're paying for it, because tuition's gone up. Oh, my how much, I mean, how much it's is 20... Yeah. I think it's twenty three grand a year. It's now hundred hundred thousand dollar education, and when I went, it was thirty five. Okay, you ready? That was I a got full ride. I got a, f- a full tuition scholarship, no books or room and board and all that stuff. I got a full tuition scholarship in the year of our Lord nineteen ninety eight, hmm. and my award letter said, "Congratulations, Mr. Burnett, you've received full tuition scholarship to be paid over four years for a total of twelve thousand dollars." Wow, well, I had three thousand a year, and I thought, man. There's a lot of money. I just made a ton of cash in education, you know. Yep. And then the, it was double that in books and fees and housing. So my whole college degree was like twenty six grand. I think. Yeah, mine. The Whittle scholarship was thirty four thousand, and it covered everything and a semester abroad. All four years. Yeah. yeah. And it was everything. And I remember thinking that's the most amount of money. I mean, it was. It might as well be a million Crazy. when you're in high school. Yeah. But the idea now that a kid, in order to go get a, a and it's a great school. Mm-hmm. But to go get a state education is going to co- – I mean, a hundred grand is not a, grand it's not a debt that you just dig out of quickly. Yeah. Even if you're making a lot of money, you don't dig out of that quickly. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking to someone the other day going to a program that – the program is going to cost them – it's a postgraduate. It's going to cost them like $85,000. And I said, well, what are you going to make a year? Well, you start off at sixty, like with this postgraduate. Making $60,000 a year, if you live in Mount Juliet – like that's just what you have to have to live now, cost of living, just yeah. to, just to have a house if you want one kind of thing. The idea of digging out of those payments, I, mean, I have plenty of friends in my forties on top of a mortgage and yeah. When you're trying to do everything else, you got to do. So no education. We we came through. And I'll, I will say this: their buildings are a lot better. <laughs> like the campus is completely. It's not even the same. Like I don't even know where stuff. I mean, I know everything is. But the only thing the same is the rock that they paint. They moved it though. Did they move it? Other side of the street. What? Now it's not in front of the frat road. It's in front of the music yeah. building. I remember one time I was on campus with my brother, and we were going to some, it was for a Kai Alpha meeting, and he was driving. And uh, he said, I said, you're going to take a, a left up here on Pat Summit. And he said, is that the name of the road? And I said, no, she's standing there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was pro- that was a really hateful thing to say. but That was the beginning but he opened of the, Johnny's But he comedy. opened the door for me to be like, yes, of course. Johnny does punish you. <laughs> Like if you, <laughs> you got to be on your toes a little bit. He will. He will Just the it. idea that Pat's, and now there probably is a statue of her standing there for There's all. A statue somewhere. Yeah. yeah, she's from Clarksville, by the way. Is wow. she? Is she really? Pat Hid. She ran a tattoo parlor. People <laughs> you know, don't realize that's how she got. You know, started. she didn't play for Tennessee. Her no. family, uh, some of her family attends our church. Where did she great, play for? Great UT folks. Martin. Right. Now she may have come over to Tennessee as a grad assistant or something, or she may have played there as senior year. But I believe she she was a standout at UT Martin. Scarlet Thread did a show at UT Martin for twelve people. Guys, this is turning. This is when we tie it all together. Yes. I put something in dark. What was that song? <laughs> I don't know. I remember all your songs had like, some know. kind of poetic story to start I think you're with. Hearing a song we never did. <laughs> no, I, did you say eyes with something her in the eyes, dark? It started like her eyes. It was the Scarlet Third song. How did that song start? Her the, eyes. Wasn't that right? <laughs> 
<laughs> you know how you hear songs the way yeah. you want to hear them yeah. and you make yeah. up lyrics? Yeah. Hang on, this is the way I remember. Scarlet Thread. Right, Did right, it start? Okay. Her eyes are dark. Her hair was, her there hair. Hair was long and dark. I knew oh, dark and. Dark and. Guess that wasn't my best song. It wasn't. It was just the name of our band. Whenever you have a, a, a song named after your band, that's usually it's not going to work that's out. Tough. That's the tough best times. song you guys had. Like, was... there's not a there's not a song called Motley Crue. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's it is, but it's just written by another band. Oh, right. Bon Jovi. Right. When no band ever wrote a song about us, I'll tell you that. No, but you, no. your band wrote a song about right, us. <laughs> except us. Your your best song ever was Toyota Van. Okay, so check this out. <laughs> that song oh, wow. was it. So man. Dane Allen, our own Dane Allen, who's. Uh, doing all this other crazy stuff now. He's got his own project called Loyal's. Gotta say, by the way, Loyal's show downtown the other night was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Do still call him Brother Dane? Well, he's my, I consider him my brother, but anyway. So anyway, yeah, they, Dane's involved with, like he's played bass on tour with Disciple and done some other things, and Dane hits these crazy high notes, so Disciple brought him in. Yeah. Yeah. So he, they brought him in to sing back up. Uh, for Disciples' new project in studio with one Travis Wyrick, who did our oh, last record. The good record. Yeah, the one that we still are kind of proud of. And so... Is that album actually on vinyl? It's not. So why would you It was a CD. Record? Well, it's recording. That's what you say. That's you what say they still say record, record of the year. And when they do the Grammys, it's still record of the year. Something I don't get. It's short for recording. You, as a person who wanted to pastor artists, should know this. Anyway, Dane's in there in the studio, and he texts me and John. He's with Travis Wyrick, who we had, we did our, and then we had a fun time with him. It was so cool, and he was a really great guy. But he's holding up this thing. <laughs> it gets me every time. And he goes, and Travis is pointing at it. Such going, an old man response. And then Travis, I tell you, crazy kids. And he said, Travis story. is saying like, oh, Johnny, Johnny's the funniest guy. Even back then, he was the funniest guy I ever had in the studio. It was just really cool. It was really sweet. Yeah. Because uh, we looked up to Travis so much because he had the, he had won all these Dove awards for and all the work. That, yeah, he's yeah. The Thousand Foot Crutch. No, that's a different band. Anyway, so Dane's in there. So they brought back this story of us. To, and this goes back to the diction and enunciation thing. This is how we're going to wrap this all You're up. You're not going to believe how this is all going to tie together. Big so, circle. We so, did not plan this, people. Have you ever done, have you ever done like, uh, you've done audio recording where they cherry pick your, you sing phrases and then they go, okay, we'll take the best of this, yeah. best of this. Well, that's what you do when you're doing a record. And so. Travis, after a while, you'd be singing and you have the same patterns of you fall into when you're trying to sing, especially in a rock voice like we were doing. And uh, so I'm singing this line. He finally comes back and he goes, what are you singing? And I go, well, I don't know. I don't know how to tell the story right because you're going to play the clip, right? I'll play the clip. Yeah. So he comes back. He goes, are you singing clown board? <laughs> I go, no. He goes, it sounds like you're saying I've danced the dance of the clown board. I go, well, I don't know what that is. That's just my rock. He goes, well, make sh- just over-enunciate it. Let's get this right. And I go, okay, so it's like the 50th time we got it. But anyway, John's going to play the clip, and then we'll tell the story. Tell me if you hear Clown Board. Okay. All right, circa 2003, Scarlet Thread, hit it. Oh, a little rush there. Mighty winds. (laughs) Well, Acts chapter 2 happened in that mess. Here comes Johnny, baby. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) My eyes sound a lot like high. Nice diff high. Yeah, it's a good diff thong. You get that? You do a lot of those. Yeah, I do. Aye. Aye. Is this on iTunes? Can you get this on iTunes? Dude, we need to put it out there. All right, here's the verse. Here it is. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I heard I danced the dance of the clown's butt. The clown's butt. That's a whole... That's a whole different thing. That's a different dance, isn't it? (laughs) The clown's butt. So... Travis is here in clown board, so his birth, so we ended up, we get through the week of recording, and we're nowhere near close to done. And so I started doing, like, work on his studio. I started doing, like, I had a miter saw, and I was like, all your doors in here are just thrown in these holes. It was like a third-story house, and so the bottom story was his studio, and I was like, this is so janky. You're a double award-winning producer. I guess. Yeah, I just haven't had time to do it. And I go, well, I can do this if you'll give me more. So, I'll fix your clown board. So, yeah, so I brought in all this <laughs> wood, and I and I fixed all of his doors. And so he gave us more recording time. So we became really close. And so his birthday fell in one of those weeks that we were adding studio time. 
and I knew it was coming up. And by then, he was just calling me clown board. I'd, call, I'd answer the phone. He'd be like, clown board. <laughs> and uh, I'd be like, oh, boy, I guess this is my lot in life now. So I paint, I, I've got this one by four from Home Depot. And I cut it off at like four foot. And I painted it all these different colors. And then I had this clown sticker. And I put it on there. And then I like decoupage the whole thing or whatever you do where you varnish the top of it. Don't come back like you don't know what that is. I know what's going you, on. You tried to man up. I did. I, I totally decoupage. I mean, whatever. Whatever they call whatever it. Whatever they heard call my it. wife talk about. <laughs> what's that? Varnish? I bobbled it. Anyway, so I brought it in. And so I wrapped it. And I'm handing him this this bo- this this oblong wrapped birthday present. And he looks at it for like five seconds. And he goes, he sparks. He goes, is this a clown board? <laughs> and I laughed so hard. I still remember him saying that. Is this a clown board? So what is the lyric? And it was a clown board. It's I've danced the dance of the well, clown, the whole, but it is please. clown butt. But, 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 but it's, it's, it leads to the next sentence. You got to have the context of the whole. So right, I have no made my way through the crowd. I have danced. So it's about a parade. So you, that's the image. You're walking through parade. God's yes. at the top. He sees the whole thing. I've made my way through the crowd. Right. I have danced to the dance of the clown, comma. comma, but please don't leave me here in this unfamiliar town. Right. Okay. So that's. But what he heard was clown board. And so, but anyway, all that said, this was 2003. So when I gave him that, he would tell me like a year or two later, I did some background vocals just as a, a lark. It was like a year later. And he, he goes, you know, the clown board's still here because he'd moved studios by then and he moved the clown board with him. And he was in his like, he kept it in the studio yeah, as like this little totem. And I couldn't believe he kept it. And so that's because he believed you'd be famous. So Dane is in this photo he sent to us. He's doing these he background right. vocals for Disciple and <laughs> Travis is pointing at it. It's still there. Dane goes, yeah, it took him like three seconds to go get it. Oh yeah. my gosh! And so having Dane, good. having Dane hold the clown board in a picture and Travis in the back, it was like a convergence of it all. It really worlds. was. And now you're here. Oh my gosh! I don't know, you actually you weren't a part the of the original story at all. clown board. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. So anyway, here we are. Hey, vocal, kids. When you, when you we do have quite a cool history. When you just uh, say vocal, I'll, I will say Johnny kicked my butt in racquetball. Back, in you know, day. I'm playing racquetball again. Good for you. I just started trying to get in shape again. Like right now, or no? Okay, this isn't racquetball. Okay. Good. Uh, but I, but I, my, I've been playing, my wife goes with me and, uh, cool. so Great. we're trying, yeah, it's a fun thing for us to do together. By the way, but you I, both have great wives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My wife's well, thank, you. thank you. Yeah. I mean, they've always been great, but I, and you do too. You do too, man. Thank you. I just think a lot of times we don't, uh, give shout outs enough to the ladies who put up with us. You're so right. Shout out to Curry. Yeah. Shout out to Laura and my boo, Stephanie. My, my boo. Isn't it Bay now? I don't know. It's Boo. I don't know. Bay has an E on it, like Life Point. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have the E. Speaking of girls, like we all have daughters too. Like you have a. Are your dogs girls? My dog. One of my dogs is a girl. Well, there you go. Are you a cat guy too? No, I'm allergic. allergic. I'm emotionally allergic to cats. That's interesting. I don't even believe in them. I always (laughs) joke. I say they're a glitch in the matrix. I tell our church, if you own a cat, it's uh, opening yourself up to the demonic. Yeah. Yeah, have, you ever, have you ever noticed on America's Funniest Videos, do you guys watch that? Yeah. My daughter loves it. My right, daughter. sure. We, yeah, we do. It's a lot of kicks to the crotch. They have the cat. They have the they have the dog. Let's go to the dog park. And it's all like cute. Like mm-hmm. you see the dogs and your heart just comes alive. Every cat clip is a cat yeah. attacking. scratching or attacking yeah, someone. A baby. And, yeah. they're, and they're laughing. Or like, knocking oh. things off a table just out of spite. Like, nah. Like, yeah, why are we watching this and laughing? Like, that guy's going to have to go to the emergency room now. Like, well, what's the deal? Yeah, and yeah. it's true. And you work with military, so you'll know this. And this is something I noticed the other day. It's like, all these videos have come home. The dog remembers the guy and freaks out. Yeah. You never see that with a cat because it's got like, hey, <laughs> welcome back from a war. <laughs> I could care less. <laughs> Do you mind to clean my poop? Out exactly. Of the box? Now get to scooping. <laughs> yeah, I don't like cats, man. It's funny. I I get a lot of cat humor from our church. They'll give me t-shirts and stuff at Christmas. Do you wear them? Meowy Christmas. No. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> part of it's because they seem to always buy me double X, and I don't wear double X anymore. I've lost some weight. But oh, anyway, that's great. Well, yeah, you you Do lost. You, you look you're great. eating clean. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm doing my best. I but, thought you were doing keto or paleo or something no you know the interesting thing is just don't eat garbage that's the science behind losing weight like all the diet fads are just hard to keep up with forever yeah, yeah they just are. choose to eat less sugar that's my achilles heel oh, right. <laughs> when you exercise too i do yeah three or four days a week yeah 
But anyway, uh, the shirts don't fit. I told our church, I said, look, back in ancient Egypt, they worshiped cats. And we know to worship anything other than Jesus is demonic. Therefore, right. cats are the devel. Speaking of theology. Yeah. <laughs> Circling like, back. How'd you like that? <laughs> so Mike's got, you're writing a book, Mike. Yeah, Mike, it's... we're writing a book. Let's just say it like that. Yeah, man. Because we're close friends. You've been talking about it for years. Yep. and It's to... one of those things. I have a bunch of content in my brain, and I, I write 10-page papers every week. Yeah. So the idea of writing a book yeah. does not excite me. Yeah. But I, I have a bunch of content I need to get out of my head. You do have a bunch of content. So I called my, one of my longtime friends and favorite authors. When that guy Truth said no, out. he called me. After that, so sorry, go ahead. You're so the I, bronze. I really did. I said, You're hey, the man, bronze I, group. I said, I want you to help me. <laughs> yeah. I said, I want you to help me put this on paper, and um, I don't care what comes of it. I just got to get it out of my head. So I'm, I'm writing on, well, let me just say in the last eight and a half years, our church has grown tremendously fast. And in the last year, of course, uh, two years, we've been on the top um, 15 or so fastest growing in the country. So I, people ask me often, what's happened there? What's the secret? What do you, what'd you do? And I, I honestly don't think a what did you do is the right way to approach how to help somebody with that. Right. Because honestly, I think every church does a different iteration of the same few things. We have Sunday morning services. We have buildings we're paying off. We have kids ministry, singing, uh, coffee in the lobby, you know, um, youth ministry departments, whatever. So we do all the same things that other churches do. I think there's a difference in how we do those things and how it feels to be a part of our church. So I, I actually really love the study of culture. And I think culture is how does it feel to be a part of something. And every organization, everything, every place we go has a culture. So think about <clears throat> like when I would go to my grandmother's house growing up, Yeah, it had smells that only existed in her house, mm-hmm. uh, the furniture, the layout, the just – the vibe of the place that my grandmother set was just so particular. And you were like, this needs to be how my church feels. <laughs> yeah. I want well, Afghans on every seat. Well, so then you go to my other grandmother's house and it smelled like mothballs. Yeah. And it was always too hot. And they had that, uh, my, my dad's mother, she had a door, uh, the screen door had like this green plastic over the glass to keep mm-hmm. sunlight out, but it just shone this plastic green uh, where light came through and it just made everything green in the house. So it had a different culture. It had a different feel, but they both had bedrooms, kitchens, bathrooms, walls. I mean, they, they kind of did the same things, but they just felt different. Yeah. So I've focused on our church culture and we tweak the, what we do, but we constantly obsess over how it feels to do what we do. And then I started thinking through the teachings of Jesus who never told us how to do church. Which is ironic that like most evangelical churches do church similarly. They do the same kind of four to five behaviors. But Jesus never told us how to do it. And we've actually made the how we do church so sacred, like the building types or the hymn books that we purchase or the songs that we select. We've made a lot of the how-tos very sacred. But Jesus said uh, not this is how you do church, but he said this is how it feels to be my kingdom. He said, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God feels like this. The kingdom of God is like a a father who had two sons and one left and spent everything. And he opened his arms and loved him and welcomed him home and threw a party for him. That's a different feel. That's not a how to do church. That's how to be the kingdom. He said, the kingdom of God is like a person who lost a coin. It was the most valuable thing in the world. And they flipped their whole house upside down trying to find that thing. Like they just, they had such priority on that, which was precious. And it was in the context of lost things. Jesus said, my kingdom should feel like lost people are precious. Do whatever you can. Flip whatever, whatever furniture you need to, to, to go after what's precious. So I think, I think it's a, just an interesting thought that he never told us how to do church, but how to be, how to feel as his kingdom. Wow. So I'm right, we are writing on um, building a church based on the culture derived from the parables of Jesus. So and if you're listening to this and you're thinking about writing a book about that, it's copy uh, John's and Mike's is not out yet. And so... <laughs> you can beat them to press. Were we, were we supposed to talk about that? Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, it's copywritten. We're yeah. not, it's copywritten. We're not under contract, so we can do whatever we want to do right now. Beautiful. But there's 32. There well, are, we're going to be on a contract soon is the hope. But There are 32 parables of Jesus, and and there, some of them are debatable as parable, parabolic writing or not, but who cares? 
32 times where Jesus gives a, a reference to what his kingdom feels like. And honestly, we're not building our kingdoms. A lot of churches build a, a kingdom of their local church, a kingdom of the, this is how we've always done it. This is our denominational brand. Right. This is what we're going to do in this place in this time. Yeah. But every church in the Bible closed, by the way. Uh, so there's nothing sacred about LifePoint Church. It's not my kingdom. It's not LifePoint's kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And so what does it look like to build a church based on the, the parable teachings of Jesus? Yeah. When he literally, when the disciples asked, like, why are you talking about all this stuff in parables all the time? What, what is up with that? And he said, people far from me, they don't get what I want. They don't understand it. So I have to make it palatable to them. So I'm using these stories to help them understand what it feels like to be a part of my kingdom. Dallas Willard wrote a great book called The Divine Conspiracy. And his treatment of the Sermon on the Mount is probably, uh, it would deem him a heretic to some, but I think it's the most refreshing view ever on the Sermon on the Mount. And he basically was saying, you know, at the end of Matthew 4, it says Jesus went about everywhere preaching this gospel of the kingdom. It's the first time in the history of humanity that now this message of kingdom of God is being proliferated everywhere. And everywhere he went, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. And everywhere he went, he he presented the kingdom itself, like his reign and his presence. And then uh, the Sermon on the Mount is basically a new paradigm of kingdom living. Everything about that is about kingdom living. That's what it should feel like to belong to the church. Like we're forgiving. We're gracious. We go the extra mile. We do good for others without expecting anything in return. Willard says, I think it's chapter four or five of that book. He starts talking about the Sermon on the Mount and uh, the Beatitudes rather. And most people look at the Beatitudes as a, a list of rules to follow. Blessed are you poor in spirit. All right. Because you'll have this. Blessed are you, uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then we preach that. We go, folks, if you don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, you won't have the kingdom. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How many of you want to see God? Amen. Bless God. Well, how's your heart? Are you pure? Are you living right? Are you living pure? And if we're not careful, the Beatitudes becomes this new list of laws right. and obligations. And, and Willard suggests that's not at all what God's saying here. Jesus is actually kind of working his crowd, going, hey, you Pharisee. He sees them in the crowd. He goes, you hunger and thirst after righteousness, man. You squeeze every drop out of the law. And what he's saying is, if you'll come to me, you'll have the kingdom. He looks at somebody else who's like straining to just live right, but they're, they're maybe the divorced woman or the widow who culture says you're busted. He's like, you who are meek and lowly, everybody's told you you're nothing, you're a failure. He's like, in me, you'll have eternal life. And so he's actually introducing a whole new paradigm of living and eternity, this kingdom through the, the Beatitudes. And he's the Beatitudes, the first half of the Beatitudes is just the crowd he's talking to. So in our context today, we'd say, blessed are you, single mom, a person who's struggling with sexual identity. Blessed are you, uh, business CEO, dropout, failure, bankrupt person. Hey, if you'll come to Jesus, you'll actually have all the things that you were trying to get in that other life, in that other way. Right. Yeah. So I just, I, those kind of things really inform some of the direction of how we want to build this church on the culture of a kingdom taught from particularly the parables of Jesus. I think it's very fascinating. And I think that, you know, the thing we're trying to balance in even the presentation of the concept is some people hear the word church. As you says, how you build a church, how you build a church, or how, yeah. you know, and what you really just told us. And I think that's part of the problem is that the, the things that, yeah, the things that, uh, God wants to do in us, the church is not supposed to be some foreign separate entity. It's actually supposed to be the vehicle by which individuals are experiencing those kinds of yeah. I, feelings is a, is, is one way of it. It's, it's, we're not using feelings in the sense of just sensation or just emotion from the sense of, you know, what the environment is of those who follow or live under the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so that, that's a, actually similar to the Todd Wagner come and see book when we were talking to publishers about it. Is they were like, well, is this a is this a book for church leaders, or is, is this a book for church people? And we were like, well, the fact that we're asking that question is a part of the problem in American culture today. Yeah, because you're acting as if there should be a different message for those who are leading than those who are just experiencing. When Christ has called us to, He is leading, and for all of us to experience this together. While there will be those who that's that is their profession, or that is their you know that's what they're going to do daily for a paycheck. But all are invited into that party. All are invited into that that ethos. All are invited into that place. That's really what he wants. It's a it's a much more heroic vision. It's a real intentional. It. It's an intentional struggle as a pastor to remind 
the congregation, this is normal living for the follower of Christ. So it's easy to Sunday only, you know, kind of do the things, do the doctrines, do the beliefs, mm-hmm. and, and even make your sermons. Hey, guys, when we gather, this is how we're going to be. This is how we're going to live when we're here in the parking lot, here in the property. But it's a real intentional struggle to say this is the hope of God for you every day. Yeah. This is actually kingdom living. This is what God says that the, the kingdom of God is coming, is advancing, and, and we are to take it by force, so like to live by that all the time. Kingdom principles, kingdom dynamics, and, and a culture of kingdom living. Every This is a thought for you. Every time Jesus showed up, he brought the full weight of the kingdom of God to them. What does it look like for the body of Christ yeah. to be a people who, when we show up, when we, when we live, when we go to Target, when we are at home with our family, like we are living as if the full weight of the kingdom resides in us. He says, the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead, Paul said, dwells in us. Is that Paul, John? That's Paul. That's Paul, Paul, yeah. But Jesus said it like this in John 14. I have to go to the right hand of the Father because the Spirit is going to dwell among you and in you. So, you know, we had this Christology that somehow thinks that we're divorced from the presence of God in this era or whatever because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and the Spirit's like kind of working all over the place doing his magic. Yeah. No, he dwells in us. Like the full weight of the kingdom of God resides in us. And we, we're called out to be people who understand and bear the weight of that all the time. Not in a fear kind of pressure way, but as a man, what a privilege. Yeah. I think that scripture says, uh, the same power that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal bodies. Right. So this idea of like, we can live fully alive now rather than, cause sometimes it's like a cop out, like, well, we'll figure it out in the afterlife. Right. I'm just going to kind of, it's like, well, we've trained ourselves even in our old hymns. Some glad morning when this life is over. Well, we even talked about that. uh, uh, We talked about Martin Luther King. There was a quote about how the white moderate was a huge obstacle to the civil rights movement for Martin Luther King. And he had to come to terms with it because he was like, you champion the status quo more than you do justice. Yeah. And you think you're doing good by doing that, but you're really, you're, you're prioritizing. Right how things have always been and just keeping things okay. You agree with, when you know, cause. people are in chains basically. Yeah. Right. And so he's like, you, I can't help you. And I think that's what's the, what you're saying basically is like, yeah, when we just say, well, things have always been this way. We're not, yeah. we're not living as fully alive as we could be. Well, there's confusion about with, with, you know, when people, if you're a listener, when you hear us talk this kind of language about this again, and I'm going to use that word again, it's it's a heroic vision of what Christ has done and what he wants to do in us. Yeah. But the Christians are very confused and, and the church messaging that, that is received most Sundays is so slanted, like you said, you talked about that. It's so slanted to a checklist. We take everything and we turn it into something to go do. And so this idea is, is and we're actually in a series now called The New Normal about the exact thing you're talking about. What should be normal for believers? What was normal for early believers in the early church? What was what did Jesus say should be like daily for you? And people take that to the extremes immediately. Then they say, well, you know, then it's going to be the miracles because that's what we really know Jesus for. Right. You know, and the miraculous is real and, and, and Jesus still does m- miracles, you know. But there's so many things scripturally that are going to be normal for the believer that we don't even know to expect anymore. That again, we use a lot from Acts two forty two through forty seven. The, the living in this honest community, the sincerity and gladness of heart, the breaking of bread, the generosity to care for one's needs, the devotion to the to the sound biblical teaching and to yeah. prayer and to those things, like that could have lasted for years in those verses, years. But we really focus instead on things that happen in a day. You know, well, on this day, this happened. And then you get to these four verses that could have ha- could have lasted for years, and we don't yeah. want to settle into the miraculous transformation, like you said, the quickening, yeah. the quickening that comes with from what Christ has done. That this kingdom is supposed to be this daily experience. That 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 is a an expectation that I think many of us in, mo- in modern Christianity have lost. So, in my opinion, but I love the idea of what you guys. In fact, there's things you're saying now from when we first wrote the proposal. <laughs> You keep changing because it keeps it's sharp- evolving. It's it keeps growing. sharpening, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I think that it's just going to continue to become stronger. But it's not just for like the church. Like the church is, if you're a believer, that's you. <laughs> you know. Right. So, and, and yes, there's a takeaway for those who are organizing organizations 
who are, who are helping I, I, to lead. I think we build. I, I think we build a local church around the culture that Jesus presented. Yep. And then out of that, because the the local church, I think, has value. I think the local church is the hope of the world. I agree with that. And Paul writes later, he says, it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God needs to be yep. made known. So there's a place for the organizational structure of a local ecclesia and, and a congregational body, et cetera. But it is not a means into an end. It's not even an end. I mean, it's a, excuse me, it's, it's not the means to its own end. Right. It's a means to kingdom advancement. Yep. And so every church needs to embody the culture that Jesus came to present. I mean, since the fall of mankind, Genesis 3.15, God said, I've got a plan to fix all this. I'm going to reinstate. I mean, you, the, Satan doesn't win. He said, through the seed of this woman, I'm going to crush the head of the serpent. And then Christ would come. And literally, I'm preaching the last passage in the book of Romans this Sunday. And he said, don't forget, you're going to crush the devil. Like, we win. We get victory over the enemy. And so this is the this is the the introduction, the gospel, the presence of Jesus was the introduction of a new normal and the resurrection and ascension of Christ solidified and, and purified that that kingdom claim. And then the, the coming of, of the Holy Spirit to empower the church uh, strategically at Pentecost because it was about harvest. Right. Um, that is the, that's the seal of this new normal for us, like you're calling it in your series. And there is, there really is no other way to live. I mean, when you start thinking in those terms, what in the world does this world have to offer compared right. to the glory of knowing Christ and him crucifying the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his suffering? I mean, there really is nothing to our lives except the propagation of his message and his kingdom. Well, I love how you're bringing out what Jesus's cultural intentions for his listeners were, even at the time, how it would have been different to them to say, this is attractive in me, you'll find this. In me, you'll find oh, this. And I think that that's the message we should, that's what our lives should reflect. Like in Christ, we find this. And yeah. and you come come see that in our brokenness that we see this, you know, thing happening. Yeah. And that, that invitation is so like missed. You know, we don't want to, because Christians think if you invite someone to actually view what you're inviting to see is my perfection. You're inviting you to yeah. see how I get all this right. And in actuality, that's not at all what I'm inviting you to see if you're going to really see what Jesus is actually doing in his people. Yeah. There will be correction and growth and holiness and all of those things. You're going to see it in a lot of people who have no business being called holy. It's only because of what Jesus has done. And so um, I agree. If that When that becomes... I say, I say holiness is a posture of belonging, not a, not a position of behavior. Yeah, it's, it's a position next to the one who's holy. When he said, be holy because I'm holy. It's like you saying to Laura, be a driver because I'm a driver now. Like when you attach yourself to me, you take my, my ethic, my identity, my name. Yeah. So God says, be holy because I'm holy. Yeah. Be found holy. Be found right because I'm right. And so come away with me. Be with me. This is the new normal. Be with Christ. Be among his presence. And that's what makes you holy. Holiness is about belonging not behaving. And that's, uh, I, I could talk for hours and hours about, I don't want to be a pastor who's anti anything, particularly as it pertains to the church, but I want to be so for what I see God's, like the culture of the kingdom. I want to be so for that, that it exposes the things that are wrong, that are just, we've been, maybe been misguided by. Yeah. And I'm in a fast growing church where like, I could easily be an attendance huckster. You know what I'm saying? Like a growth, a numbers guy. But I, I've, I'll tell our church often, it's like big numbers do not impress me. Uh, health and growth towards Jesus, that's what we're after. We, we've, we've checked a lot of boxes with our church, but we want to be a healthy church on mission to know Jesus and to, to promote the kingdom most of all. So, you know, I, I, I think this come away, that, that's one of the reasons I attach to you as well with the writing, because come and see just confirms so many things that I feel like the heart of Jesus promoted in this, this gospel of the kingdom. Yeah. What, what does it look like for the body of Christ to show up anywhere in this world? And, and then when they, when they step out of that room, people go, man, I felt like the kingdom of God was just here. Those are the kind of people we're called to be. Yeah. Not in a weird kind of hyper spiritual way. No, it should be happening when you go to Starbucks with somebody. If you're, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's people. a daily thing. Yeah. So, so how do we build our churches that way? That's what I'm after in my writing, and what I'm trying to 
I don't know. It's, it makes for fun, experimental church leading, you know, yeah. uh, it gives me room to be real human, honestly, because it's not about me. It's about Christ. Um, just this Sunday, I made one of the biggest goofball mistakes ever. Uh, in fact, I, I said something that was so inappropriate that I took communion on the spot. Like <laughs> we were scheduled to take communion at the end of the service. And I made a joke about a holy kiss. It's at the end of Romans 16. Oh yeah. Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. I said, now look, some of y'all trying to be real biblical, but I'm telling you, if you don't know me that well, I might stab you if you try to hit me up with. And then I did this gesture with open mouth and stuck my tongue out like that. And, and I got so tickled. I started laughing so hard and the crowd lost it that I did it. Cause it was pretty uh, random. <laughs> and I just said, I need to take communion right now. Everybody. So I just opened it up and took it. I said, I'm washed whiter than snow, everybody. But uh, moments like that. And I'm, you know, I'm picking on, myself, but, uh, it, it allows us to get out of the way and allow Jesus to shine in, in our humanity. Well, I love that about you. And Johnny started off saying you're the fastest growing church in America. And that's actually true from outreach magazine. They named that. And the great thing about it is, is Mike Burdett could, could care less about that. Like he's of all the people I know, he cares less about titles and things like that. Those are just metrics and things, but they do good opportunity to talk about the right things. And, uh, so I've loved that yeah, man, we're going to be humble and walk it out and, and, and see. So well, at the end of the day, the parable of the talents, which is one of the ones we're focusing on in the book, um, it shows this, this got the, the landowner goes away and he gives all of his possessions to three different people in the story. And to one, he gives five, one, he gives two and one, he gives one, which talent by the way, is 22 year salary, uh, in that culture. So that's, I don't care if you're a one or five talent guy, that's a lot of money comes back later. And the, the landowner collects it all back. <laughs> Yeah. So he doesn't give a cut or a commission to the five talent, two talent, or one yeah. talent guy. It says he comes back to settle accounts, which means to just take it all back. So all the the press about our church is exciting and fun, yeah. but it ain't mine. I got to turn it all back in. Yeah, there used to be a guy who, who was here, and he did this discipleship study, and he talked about, I think it was called Back in the Box, and the whole point was at the end of the game, all the parts go back into the box. It's right. like when you play these games. Yeah. We like I collected all this. You all this monopoly money is like when the game's over, it all goes back in the box. That's right. It's just monopoly money anyway. Yeah. You know, so stop prioritizing these dumb things. It's good. Yep. Well, guys, man, what a great show! I had a great time, Mike, having you in studio with us, and uh, we're uh, man, just appreciate your your life, what you're yeah, doing, yeah. your family, and uh, and glad that you wore the same shirt as me. So now yeah, I tried to good luck with your way. mating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, walk in like the Wonder Twins. Just so everyone knows, it's a red checkered plaid. It's yeah. Not like a, it's not like a swoop neck. It says, I'm with stupid, t-shirt. and then John's just said stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it is like, we're like, we're like North Faith, more North Face twins, but like, you kind of still look young because you have hair, even though you're only a year younger than me. Did you just start shaving your head? Is that uh, I seem to remember you. Maybe you've been wearing a hat a it's lot It's been more. since July. Yeah. I don't remember the last time that we met on these things. Yeah, shaving is a strong word. I haven't. It's not it's shaving. Fine, John, Trimming it down. It's a one guard. You look great. It's right. a. It's a shadow. It's bro. like you've just accepted it. Is what it is. Absolutely. I, it was happening with or without me. That's what See, I always. Johnny say. and I are. We're just gracefully aging. With I don't understand gray hair. Hair is wasted on the tall and the young. Like you two guys are both tall. You have your whole lives ahead of you. And now look at this. Yeah, but I'm tall in like a lurch way. I'm not tall in an attractive way. I'm not tall in like a Tom Brady way. I'm tall in like, you rang. (laughs) Is Tom Brady tall? Yeah, he's 6'5". Is he really? Yeah. I didn't realize. I'm 6'6". How tall are you? I'm 6'4", but I can slouch to 5'10". How tall are you, John? <laughs> you know what? I'm five nine, guys. Ah, oh, bless your heart. For real? Yeah. Is that All standing right. up? But I can shoot a basketball over either one of you. So, uh, well, yeah, because they go over everyone. Well, not. I mean, that's the. the I don't. It goes at least ten and a half feet high. I don't really know. Single, I don't really know how basketball works. That's a meaningless. <laughs> that's. <laughs> uh, well, hey, we're gonna get out of here, Johnny. Where are you headed? I'm going to a meeting. Well, uh, I meant like, where you, what's your next, what's your next, where's uh, Waldo? Like, where's Waldo? I'm going to L.A. tomorrow. Where's he's going, going to L.A. tomorrow? I, Lower Alabama. I was going to talk about this, but I get to go to the Laker game tomorrow. You. Good for you. Man. Wow. Yeah. Let's go to the front row when uh, that guy jumps over the thing. and. Aren't you going to be on, on the, you're going to be on the floor. Maybe. You might be on the floor, guys. Did you see where the lady, uh, the actress who was Will Smith's wife in Independence Day, uh, one of the players, I can't remember what game it is. This is me not. Anyway, he jumps. He, he's going to save a ball, jumps over oh, the table. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regina her. King. Thank you, Regina King. Yeah, that's Of right. course you knew that. 
Uh, that was you're actually well funny. And that, did you notice who's next to her? Tracy Morgan was sitting next to her. Nobody, he got no shout out on the press. It's no, like, it's, uh, well, she almost dies. And Tracy Morgan, who's survived a heart attack. It's like if this building blew up, it would be like comedian Johnny W. and others. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was hateful. All right. <laughs> hey, make sure you share the podcast. Subscribe. Leave us some comments. Uh, and uh, follow Mike Burnett. Where's your Twitter? What's your Twitter handle, Mike? Um, you don't even know. It's at... Pastor, no, I think uh, Twitter's at Mike Burnett with a clown underscore name. board. I don't use Twitter a lot. I don't. Uh, I so I, at Pastor Mike Burnett with an e on the end. Uh, it's just like my point. It's so Facebook, and, Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, my my name doesn't have the end. Worthless e. All right, guys, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on we'll Talk About That. Tired of parenting advice and news headlines that are more confusing than assembling IKEA furniture, we've got just the podcast for you. My dear friend Abby and I are here to help you navigate the parenting roller coaster. Should your kids be on social media? What should you tell a friend facing an unplanned pregnancy? These are just some of the many questions we tackle on our podcast. Subscribe to The Real Deal of Parenting wherever you find your podcast.